Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. It's great to see you today. So glad that you're here as we continue this Sermon on the Mount. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5, and uh, we're going to continue in this series that we started last week talking about not just the Sermon on the Mount, but the Mount of a Sermon. So many truths in here. And I would encourage you, if you've never read it in one setting, read Matthew chapter 5 through 7 in several different ways. And let me say thank you for those of you who sacrificed, gave, and were here with us yesterday for the homegoing celebration of Jeff. It was a great time, and lives were touched and impacted. We had people watching from all over the nation, and it was a great, great time. Well, if you have your Bible, open with me to, to Mark. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine. In fact, read verse 16 with me out loud. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your presence, your power. We thank you, God, that you care for us. And there's nothing in this world that uh, you can't do. You can do it all. And so, Lord, as we study this Sermon on the Mount, in which that you give us the uh, lifestyle that we need to live as Christ's followers, I pray you would anoint us, Lord. I pray you would anoint me, Holy Spirit that I may speak the words that I should speak. Give me uh, exactly what I should say, and don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And uh, as we even read ourselves and take notes, you might give us revelation and understanding far beyond where we are. In your name, Jesus, amen. I love that question. Maybe some of you didn't hear it uh, when uh, Jennifer asked, but she said, who was the greatest influencer in your life as you were growing up? Outside of Jesus. I know we'd all want to say Jesus, right? But who was one of the greatest influencers in your life? I mean, if you were to ask me and some of us that are a little older, you know, we would say, well, it was uh, maybe a teacher, maybe a coach. Uh, a Sunday school teacher, maybe a pastor, uh, maybe even a president. But today, or maybe it was a superhero. How many ever had a superhero when you were growing up? I had at least one. Oh, I'm the only one. Nobody else had a superhero when you were growing up. A superhero that was always influencing and doing good for people. Hey, speaking of superheroes, would you write down in your notes October the 11th? October the 11th. It's a night for superheroes. It's called Team TFH Night. Those of you who serve anywhere on the campus, you've already received multiple invitations to that night. It's a night that we get together and we have some great food, and then we come back in here and I share some uh, uh, thoughts 
uh, vision, share with you some of the things that we're going to change next year. But it always starts with those who serve someplace on the campus. Now, if you lost that email or you didn't respond, you can go back through and find it, or you can text TEAM to 352-329-2301 and sign up. You don't want to miss this TEAM night. And uh, I, I said, you know, superhero, wear your superhero t-shirt if you have one, or costume or your a team shirt that you have we always just have a lot of fun on that night so who influenced you the problem with if you were to ask a teenager or an early adult today who influenced you who are the influencers in your life um it probably would be different it's probably not a teacher probably not a coach but it probably would be somebody that we call on uh, that has a big following on social media. In fact, if you were to ask someone today, what is the definition of someone that is an influencer? They would tell you it's someone who, for whatever reason, has a large number of people that follow them on social media and they get paid to endorse various things. Now, the issue with that is that in today's society, a social influencer, by the way, I went on to Indeed between services and found out that there are thousands. Last week, I saw 5,000 jobs on Indeed for social influencers, anywhere from the amount of $40,000 to $400,000 a year to be a social influencer. And so these people that are social influencers, they don't necessarily have to have any skills, talents, or ideas of any intellectual, culture, or spiritual value. The thing that they have is they just can draw a crowd. They have lots of numbers, the people who follow them on Instagram. For instance, Jennifer Lopez would be called an influencer. She has 182 million Instagram followers. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, he has 338 million followers on Instagram. John o Joel Osteen has 4.1 million on Instagram. Stephen Furtick has 2.8 million followers on Instagram. And these people who have big followings, then they have someone to say, because you have so many followings, if you would endorse this and say that you use this, I didn't know there was such a thing. We were watching TV, and, and somebody said, what's your occupation? They said, I'm an influencer. An influencer, wow. And then I found out how many thousands of dollars that they make just by being an influence of what you buy or what other people buy. So with that, let me ask you this. By a raising of your hand, how many of you are influencers? Keep your hand up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12, 30, 14, 15, 16. Somebody just now decide you're going since I'm going to count. 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. So about, about 40 of you say, yeah, I'm an influencer. 
Those of you who didn't raise your hand, I apologize because I miscued that, qu that question a little bit because you just heard of people that had millions of Instagram followers and you say, I'm not even sure I have any followers. I think I have two, mine and Anita. We follow each other on Instagram. I would encourage you, if you're not a follower of the Father's House on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or Tactic, whatever those are, be sure to do that. But you see, here's what I want you to know. Being an influencer is not something new. It's as old as Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, he actually says to all of us that are followers of him, you are an influencer in society, whether you think it or not. And it doesn't mean that you have to have a platform of millions of people that follow you because in your sphere of influence... Jesus says, You're, you are an influencer. So as we look at this, I want us to look in this passage in Matthew 5, 13, and we'll, we'll see a couple of principles. Number one in your notes, if you're taking notes, is this. After I read this, I need to use my influence to be salty and shiny. Look at your neighbor and say, you're salty and you're shiny today. A good definition of shiny, if you want to know what that was, if you were here yesterday and you saw Don Nobler get up here and share, Don would be shiny, all right? All the way down to his red shoes with gold stirrup, gold uh, kickstands in the back or whatever you call them. Uh, so anyway, that would be shiny. But you're salt and you're shiny. Uh, be sure you understand this. This is the next quote. You have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, <clears throat> or one expression of love might change someone's life. How many of you have been at a tough place? I mean, things are really going bad in your life. And then just out of the clear, somebody sends you a text and says, just thinking about you. I want you to know that I love you. What did that do? It changed you. It influenced you from feeling like you were alone and nobody cared to realizing, hey, you're not alone. Or to someone just sometimes gives you a hug, right? And it changed you. So Jesus says, I want you to know if you're a follower of mine, you are an influencer. Now, last week, we looked at the Beatitudes, right? And those were inner qualities that a Christ follower should have. And so we said these are inner qualities that we should have. Now, Jesus, in the sermon, goes on to say, now, because you have those inner qualities that the world needs, now I want you to demonstrate those qualities in your everyday life. So what he's starting to say in the rest of this sermon is this is how that you as a church should live. This is how that you as my followers should live. Notice what he says in verses 13 and 14. He says, you are. Now in the Greek, literally, if you want to make a note, it says you and you alone are. You are and you alone are. In other words, he says, the way that I'm going to change society is through you and you alone. Jesus, when he said it is finished, has already done everything that he's going to do. He said to us, I give you power and I give you authority. Now go in my name. So here he's saying, look, I haven't given you those inner qualities just to sit back and say, whoo, 
I got the Beatitudes in my attitude. No, he says, I want you to realize you and you alone. The only hope for this world is you and you alone. He doesn't say, this is not, uh, this is not speaking to pastors or missionaries or teachers. He's saying to everyone that's here, those that are watching online, that are a Christ follower, you and you alone, you and you alone are salt and light to change this world. Notice, it's not a command. He doesn't say, you ought to be. Now get to business and be salt and light. He doesn't say that. He, he doesn't say like a promise. You will be one day salt and light if you keep on doing whatever you're doing. And he doesn't do it like a plea. I'm begging of you to be salt and light. No, he tells you who you are. He says, you are salt and light. Look at your neighbor and point at him and say, you are salt and light. And look at the other side that wasn't so much light and look at them and say, yeah, you are salt and you are light. In other words, here's what's happening. Jesus is defining and describing my identity. Jesus is defining and describing my identity. He says, that's who you are. It's not who you're going to be. It's you are an influencer. You are salt and you are light. Seems to be a day of questions. So let me give you another question. When Superman took off his Superman outfit, who was he? No, he was Superman. On the inside of him, he was Superman. Now, he may put Clark Kent clothes on. He might put world conqueror champion clothes on. But on the inside, he's still Superman. He's still Superman. That's who you are. It doesn't matter what you wear on the outside or what job you have or anything else. You are a superman and superwoman influencer of Jesus because of the attitudes that he's already put inside of you. We live in a culture where people today don't look so much to Jesus of giving them their identity. They sort of say, I'll make up my identity. You know, people are saying, you choose your identity. If you're a male, female, a little bit of both, whatever you are, it's, it's amazing the world we live in, you choose. God may have made you a certain way, but you choose. No, that's not true. We should never let ourself identify ourselves because if we do, we say, man, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a loser. I, I can never do anything right. Man, I wish, I wish I was like somebody else. You know, they're just so good in what they do. And so you define yourself by your words. But Jesus says, because I know some of you have a struggle with that because you've heard people tell you all your life, you're a failure. You'll never amount to nothing. You better find somebody that's better than you so you can tap onto them. No, Jesus says, look, erase all of that. Hear my words. You are light to this world and you are salt to this world and the world needs both of those things and that's who you are. Sometimes people let other people determine who they are. They'll say, oh, well, let me tell you who you are or they'll define. In other words, their value or their significance is often tied by how much money they have, what career they have, what relationships they have, 
what status they have. And so the currency of their life determines their identity. But Jesus says, nope, you are. First of all, he says, you are salt. Say salt. Salt Salt was very valuable in Bible times. The Romans actually paid their soldiers at times with salt because it was such a valuable commodity. The Greeks called salt divine. In fact, at times they referred to it as the white gold because it was so valuable. One of the reasons that it was valuable, it was a preservative. Say preservative. Those of you that are old, like me, might remember a time that when your parents uh, used salt to preserve meat. So they rubbed salt on meat so that it would draw the moisture out of the meat and essentially uh, all of the contaminants that couldn't, the micro, microbes that were there that would destroy the meat and corrupt the meat were pulled out. And they would just throw it in and it would last like forever. I mean, some of you who uh, eat those uh, jerky things and all of that, you know, that's a good picture of what it is to see something that's dehydrated. So anyway, salt was used to preserve meat from rotting. And here's what Jesus is saying. The world that we're living in is rotting and decaying. It's corrupt. It's sinful. And it's constantly decaying. I mean, every day, don't you get up and say, you see the news, and you say, what else? What else? Who else is going to fail? What else is going to go wrong? So Jesus is saying, the world is corrupted by sin, and it's going to get more corrupted. Don't look for it to get better. It's going to get worse. But he says to his Christ followers, to you, to me, today, he's saying, but you, you are a preservative. So I'm sending you out to your job. He said, I don't want you to come and work at church. I'm sending you out to your job, wherever you are. And you're walking into a corrupt society that is decaying but you're walking in as a preservative because something by your influence will change your life. Had one man yesterday say, I came to your church and I watch you online a lot, but it's nothing like being here. When I walked in the door, I sensed the presence of God. And he said, you can't get that online. And he said, the worship from the worship team he said, it's, it's good online, but he said, there just something happened. There was, there was just, a, just a feeling in the air. He said, I can't explain it. But, see, so that's the way we are. You may not think you're doing much, but he says, when you go into your workplace and you let those beatitudes shine through you, you are preservative because people look at you and they'll say, I don't know what it is about you. But you handle life better. Could you tell me what it is? I, there's just something about you. It's like you, you really do love your wife, don't you? Even if she has to get the last word in, right? You, you still love her, right? You say, and say, you didn't preach. You didn't stand, stand up and say, I love my wife, and I'll let her have the last word. No, it's just by, by looking. There's just something different. See, we value people who are very... Uh, gifted. We look up here as people see the musicians and we say, well, man, I, I, I could never do that. Boy, they let, their, they let their gifts shine. 
Or we look at somebody who, who can talk a lot, like some of us who talk a lot. You say, oh, I, I wish I could do that. Or you know people who are good uh, witnesses of Jesus, and they're always winning people to the Lord. And you say, man, I, I, w- I wish I was like that. But the Lord says, those those things will happen. I mean, every day I pray, Lord, let me be an influence to somebody today. And if you open the door, let me share the gospel. He doesn't open the door every day for me to share the gospel. Some of you just wear people out because you're not led by the Holy Spirit. But there's one thing that we can do. We can walk out in society and we can make a difference by words of encouragement, by things that we say, and even our general attitude. Like, it's all right to go to work and have a smile. You know, it's like somebody said, you need to notify your face if Jesus lives inside of you, right? (laughs) Salt was not only a preservative that kept things from decaying, but it was also used as seasoning to bring out the flavor of things. As a salty influencer of Jesus, through your life, actions, and words, You create a thirst for Jesus. I wish my life was like you. I've never seen anybody like you. And then Jesus defines and describes us as light. He said, you are the light of the world. Light. Just as the moon reflects the light of the sun, Jesus is saying, look, you just reflect me. Don't try to say, I'm going to be light, I'm going to be light, I'm going to be light, I'm going to be light. No matter how often the moon would say, I'm going to be light, I'm going to be light. If the moon is out of the place where it reflects the sun, it'll never be light. Some of you are trying too hard. You're making this Christian life too much. Jesus says, all I'm asking you to do is to be a reflection of me. I've given you the Beatitudes. Now let those attitudes reflect out of your life. Don't beat yourself up so much because you don't talk to people as much as you'd like to, but let your life your life shine out. We take light for granted, don't we? Until it's time for a hurricane to come. How many of you like me? Hurricane preparation. You made sure all your flashlights had batteries. I found that little lantern that we have that we turn on. I even have a flashlight that you shake it a lot, you know, and it, and it, it, it comes on itself. So I'm going through the house shaking that thing, and Anita said, did you change the batteries? I said, no, this has special batteries. You got to shake it up, and then it works. Why? Because when the lights go off, we didn't want to stumble through the house. We didn't want to try to get outside and start the generator and plug it up and if we didn't have light. Someone once said this. In darkness, you don't know where you're going. Therefore, you don't have direction. Is that a picture of the people that you work with? Is that a picture of the people that you know? It's like they have no direction in their life. Today, they're going here. The next day, they're going here. Next day, they're going here. Why? Because there's no light. And if there's no light, then you don't know what you look like. I mean, you could stand in the front of a mirror when it's dark, and you don't know what you look like. Because there's no light. See, when we reflect the light of Jesus, we know who we are. I'm salt and I'm light. And then light also, if there's no light, you don't know who's around you. That means you feel isolated. And, and it's, so, it's so interesting that you're the light of the world. You're a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
And he said, you don't light a lamp and then put it under a basket. He said, you don't, you don't light this lamp. You don't let my life shine from you. And then you hide behind a basket and you never let the light out. So I'm encouraging you, let your light shine. Get involved in the business world. Get involved as Alan Reisman and some of our young men are in government. Get involved in the medical field. Get involved in media. Get involved in that. Be salt and light. We don't change the light just by preaching at people and condemning people. We change and influence the world by stepping in darkness and we are light. We change it by stepping into rottenness and we are something that preserves, creates a thirst that people want what we have our goal would be verse 16 to let our light so shine before men that they could see your good works and glorify your father in heaven see people see our good works but when they see our good works what do they do it all goes to glorifying God you ever uh you ever eat corn on the cob? Yeah, that's good, isn't it? Hot piece of corn on the cob. Slab that thing down with real butter, no fake stuff. And then the next thing that most of us would reach for, salt. I've never heard anybody say, man, I really like the salt on that corn. But when the salt is placed on the corn... It changes the flavor. And people say, man, that's a good ear of corn. Right, right. Nobody says, wow, that's good salt. What's the brand of that salt? <laughs> and that's what Jesus is saying here. We don't brag that we're salt and we're light. We don't brag about how many Instagram followers that we have. Or how much that we've done to help other people. And then we do a hashtag Jesus. But the most important thing is not Jesus, but it's look at me. Look at my platform. Look at how many followers I have. Look at how many people I've changed their life. Look at what I've done and I've done and I've done and I've done. No, he says, when people see your good works, they don't glorify you. But they glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You are salt and you are light. In the kingdom of God, though, godly influence is not about a platform, but it's about a person. It's not about a platform, but it's about a person. You see, when Jesus gets ready to say, who are influencers, he doesn't say, okay, Jimmy, let me see how many followers you have. Oh, man, I can use Jimmy because he's got... 1,290. I can't use Matt because he's only got 500 followers. His platform is not equal to Jimmy's. So because of your platform, you think because of your job, because of your finances, because of your talent, because of your eloquence, that God is going to use you more than anybody else. No, God says this. You know how I choose people that I'll use as influencers? I see the person, and I use the person. 
Remember John chapter 4, Jesus says, I must go through Samaria. That would be way out of the way. He would never go through Samaria. Jews didn't go through Samaria because Samarians were half-breeds. They were less than dogs. Nobody wanted to be with them. But Jesus said, I must go into Samaria. Why? Because there's a lady there that's a miracle in waiting. Everybody's given up on her. Influencer? Change her town? Heck no. She's nothing more than a harlot, nothing more than a whore, nothing more than an immoral woman. But Jesus said, I don't choose people by their platform. I choose people that I see beyond how they're acting. And I can come into their life and they can become an influencer. So Jesus goes, and verses 9 and 10, there's the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it? And Jesus said, give me a drink of water. And she said, how is it that you being a Jew asked to drink of water from me, a Samaritan? For the Jews have no dealings with us. Then in verse 10, Jesus said, hey, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now he, he's sort of saying, now you're, you're thinking in one term. I, I want to get you to thinking about I want to get you to thinking about how many times you come to this well and you come at noon. You don't come in the morning when the other women come because you don't want to see their negative critical fingers point at you as a failure. But he said, you do come to this well every day. And Jesus says, but let me tell you about a well that you can drink from. It's not a well that you have to go back every day and get something, but it's constantly with you. In other words, he's saying to some of us that are here today, you constantly go to the well of your power or your job or immorality or addiction or pornography or something else, and you keep going to that well, and you sit down, and you think, this will satisfy me, but you're finding it doesn't satisfy you. It doesn't satisfy you. Oh, at first it may have satisfied you, but no longer satisfies you. And this Jesus is saying, look, I'm telling you, I can give you a drink of water. I can give you something. He's making her thirsty, isn't he? I can give you something that you don't have to keep coming back here. And, and Jesus then, he, he wants to help her. He doesn't, he doesn't become, like some people say, you know what? If you just change your life, I could use you. Jesus says, see, how, he, he goes about this in a roundabout way. Go call your husband and tell him to come here. Oh, I have no husband, sir. Yep, you said that, for you've had five and the one you're shacking up with right now is not your husband. You're living an immoral lifestyle. And the woman said, wow, I perceive you're a prophet. You see, in the town she had a reputation that no one would have given her a chance to be an influencer. I, I think maybe, I think, Mike, maybe Jesus knew the backstory. Maybe Jesus knew the backstory of why she was like she was. Maybe her father abused her as a young girl. Maybe she was abused by different family members. Maybe the first husband she married got her pregnant and then left her. Maybe the next one promised that he would give her the world and all he would give her is scars and bruises. And she keeps going back to that well trying to find something that satisfies her. Jesus didn't look at her platform of who that she was, but he saw a miracle that could happen in her life. And Jesus says, go. And so the woman left her water pot, verse 28, 
and she went to the city, and she, look at this. She says, come and see a man who told me all things I ever did. Now, wouldn't that be a way to brag? It's not like, hey, let me tell you a man who changed my life. She said, you know what? I'm not ashamed anymore. Let me tell you a man who told me everything about my life that you already know about my life, but I'm not embarrassed about that anymore because I've found a man that can give me a drink of water that'll satisfy everything that I've ever wanted in my life. She said, could this be the Messiah? Then they went out of the town and came to her. She became an influencer. Just like I'm telling you, those of you who work in construction, those of you who work in the medical, those of you who are retired, those of you who play golf for a living or skedaddle or whatever you play, whatever you do, he, he says, I want you to be an influencer. I'm not the sphere of influence for you. See, if I came to your party or whatever it is, they say, oh yeah, he's a preacher. He gets paid for what he says. But God has placed you strategically in a sphere where he's saying to you, I ordain you as an influencer in your sphere of responsibility. So she goes and says, you need to come and see this man. And then in verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything. So the Samaritans came and they urged him to stay and he stayed with them a couple of more days. Listen to me. God's hand is on you this morning. You don't have to have it all together. You just need to be a Christ follower. Because you see, we think so much that it's how much that I do, I could do, I do. No, it's how you live. In a Fuller Theological Seminary School of Intercultural Studies, they did a survey from 1991 to the year 2007, and they followed 750 Muslims who decided to become a Christ follower. They tracked them and their influences and what caused them to make a decision. Listen to this. The responders, the Muslims, were from 30 countries, 50 different ethnic groups, representing every major region of the Muslim world. Here are the reasons they cited for conversion. Number one, Christians practiced what they preached. In other words, when we looked at Christian believers, they lived. They lived what they said. They not, it doesn't say that they were converted. You'll see nothing in here about that they were converted because there was a bunch of preaching. But it was people like you, those of you that are online. It said Christians appeared to have loving marriages in which the women were treated as equals. Christian-to-Christian violence was less prominent than Muslim-to-Muslim violence. The prayers of Christians had healed the disabled and delivered others from demon powers. The Quran had produced profound disillusionment because it accentuates God's punishment more than his love and the use of violence to impose Islamic laws. God had used visions and dreams to influence the convert's decision. Muslims can never be certain of their forgiveness and salvation as Christians can. And as they read the Bible, the converts had been convicted of the truth of the Bible. The converts were attracted to the idea of God's unconditional love. See, it didn't happen the way we thought it would happen. But it was because of influencers influencing the truth. So in your notes, you'll find, what are my next steps? 
what are my next steps after this teaching today? What do I need to do? Well, here's the first thing. Next week is going to be Ice Cream Sunday and Kona Ice Truck here with us. Now, isn't that wonderful? So we're going to pass the buckets of these invite cards. Reach in there and grab you a handful of them. It's just a little tool for you to invite people. Just reach in there, grab a handful, pass it on down so everybody can get, a, a, get as many as they want, all right? And if you don't have all you want, you can get some more outside. And so pass these out this week. Hey, say, hey, you know what? I know you've been promising to come to church with me. Hey, but come next Sunday. We're going to give you some free ice cream and a Kona ice, tree, ice cream truck will be here. It'll be great. So you just use those to invite people. The other thing is, next step is that for the next three days, we're going to spend some time fasting, whether that's one meal a day or whether that's all day or whether that's all three days. And then we're going to come back Wednesday night for a night of worship and seeking God and praying and believing. And then the next step would be get into a life group, get into a life group and to discuss these questions that we have here. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to pray as we leave today that we become salt and light. Salt and light in the world, that we become influencers. That we don't have to just think that, well, I don't have a platform, but I want to be an influencer because that's who Jesus said that I am. Let me pray for you. And those of you that are watching online, Lord Jesus, I pray right now that you would help us. That you would help us to assume the identity that you've given us. That we're salt and light. And Lord, as we leave today, we leave here being influencers, letting the beatitudes that are on the inside of us be lived out. And Lord, we pray that next week, every seat in this house will be filled. The people that we've been inviting will come next week. As you continue to think about that and pray about the condition of your life, let me ask you a question. Maybe there's someone that's here today and you say, you know what? I recognize my life is not all together. I recognize I've been going to the wrong well and it hasn't been satisfying to me. There's no peace in my life. There's no peace that like Jesus brings. Today, I'd like to make that decision. You see, God knew that there'd be times in our life who would feel so far from him, so alienated from him. And he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us, to take on your sins and my sins. And the scripture says, as many as call upon the Lord can be saved. So today, I'm not saying you have to have your life all together, but Jesus wants to come and he wants to help you sort out your life today. If you're here, And you've never invited Jesus Christ into your heart or into your life. Or maybe years ago, you were a Christ follower, but you've drifted from him. As the scripture said, salt can lose its flavor. The only way that true salt can lose its flavor has to be contaminated. True salt, not the table salt that we have that has additives, but true salt can't be contaminated. It's only when we add things to it. So you see, maybe that's where you are. Maybe you've allowed things to contaminate your life. Today you say, you know what? I need to get back on track with Jesus. Would you lead me in that prayer? If that's you, as the church is praying, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, Terry, I want you to pray for me. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Others today. Thank you, ma'am. Others today. 
Just raise your hand and say, that's me. You may put your hand down. Others over here say, yeah, that's me. I need to make that decision today. Those of you watching online, today's that day. Today's that day. Let me lead us in a prayer. We've all prayed a prayer like this at one time or another. Pray this with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to me. I confess my sins, and I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that you are God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you rose again. So I'm surrendering my life to you as best as I know how. I want to follow you all the days of my life and help me to be an influencer in your name, Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.